get a phone call from a gentleman that goes by the name Marcos Avila. Marcos Avila is the husband of Cristina Saralegui. Huge deal, huge deal. And he says, oh, Cristina wants to have lunch with you in our house today at noon. So lunch is over, food is over, and she tells me, my EP is leaving, and I want you to do his job. And I don't need you to understand the format. I'm the expert. I need you to inspire and to lead my team. Wow. And it was double all the money I was making at the moment. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there. And plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey, everybody, it's Jason Patria, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, we are still celebrating Women's History Month, and I'm asking you to join us by visiting leadwithyourbrand.com slash womenonbrand, where you can check out our collection of some of our favorite shows, featuring amazing leaders and influencers, all who just happen to be women. So make sure you check it out at leadwithyourbrand.com slash women on brand. And speaking of amazing women, I have an awesome guest today. It is Migdalia Figueroa, who is the president and general manager of Telemundo Orlando. But before we get to Migdalia, I want to talk a little bit about your brand and going back to the office. Now, last week, we talked all about those steps about re-onboarding yourself and your brand to the workplace. Today, I want to talk a little bit about heading back into the office and your workspace. Because if you are like many people I know, you haven't gone into the office for almost two years, which means your cubicle, your workspace, or even your office probably needs a brand refresh, right? You need to take the dust out, clean it up, and really make it a relevant space that talks about you. Now, of course, there's so many things that go into your packaging from your dress to how you present your ideas. But remember, as we come back into the office, your workspace is a core way that people see your brand even when you are not there. Now, I will tell you, I learned that lesson the hard way because I can tend to be a little bit disorganized and a little bit of a pack rat when it comes to my own office. And for years, I had an office on the Universal Studios front lot, but it was an office that had closed doors. Very few people ever came by it based on the location. And, you know, it kind of just didn't matter because I almost didn't do any work or ever have people in my office. 
office. But then I had this amazing opportunity to build out the brand new at the time talent lab for NBC Universal. And we did a huge build out of a beautiful office space. And my new office was right in the center of where all of our great folks who worked for talent worked and all of our great participants in the corporate university and our executives were constantly coming through. And my office had a glass wall that everyone could see into. And I suddenly realized, wow, you know how I kind of just leave post-its and everything I'm working all over my desk and boxes and piles of magazines and books that I flagged that I want to go back to? I suddenly realized when people walk past that office and it's complete glass looking in, they are probably thinking that some crazy old nutty professor or hoarder works in this office. And I told myself, well, it doesn't matter. It's like I'm barely ever in the office. I'm traveling on the road. I'm talking on stages. I'm training and mentoring executives in the classroom. But I suddenly realized, you know what that name badge says on that glass door? It says Jason Patria. So people who don't even know who I am are seeing my name and they are coming up with a brand impression based on that workspace. So you know what? I made a commitment and I realized I need to brand my workspace in a way that amplifies what I stand for. So the first thing I needed to do was kind of neutralize these things. I didn't want people walking around saying, oh, well, that Jason is a hoarder or he's really messy or he's disorganized because that's not actually what my brand is, right? And so I made a pact with myself. I would never walk away in the evening or go on a business trip without having my desk organized and cleaned off. Now, I will tell you that oftentimes meant I had a giant file cabinet drawer underneath that desk that I might just dump everything off because I was racing to the airport. But it was important for me to make sure that I had a tidy workspace so that people were not having a brand image that was dragging on how I really wanted to show up. Then I thought, hey, you know, if I'm saying that my brand is about being Hollywood and my brand is about being a super connector and my brand is about being an advocate, right? How is that showing up in this workspace? And I realized, wow, you know what? I need to have like pictures of me with all of my different classes of executives that I've led. I should put that out so people see that. If I'm an advocate for diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know what? I need to put up the posters for the different heritage months and the different events that all of the great employee resource groups were doing, and especially the ones that I was going and speaking at to inspire and help us drive diversity, equity, and and inclusion. And if I was going to be Hollywood, heck, my office needed to look like someone who worked in Hollywood. I needed to display those badges of honor from being on the red carpet or my name placards from the different conferences that I spoke at or the executive programs that I was leading. Because at the end of the day, your brand filter needs to apply to your space as well. Now, why am I saying this? As you go back into the office, this is the chance to mix it up. People haven't seen your workspace in two years. Make sure that it is not just neutral, but rather amplifying your brand. So when you're sitting in it, it creates a stage for yourself. And when you're not in your workspace, it is amplifying and telling people all about the brand that you want to 
show up as. Well, I am super excited for today's guest. It is my old friend, Migdalia Figueroa, who is the president and general manager of Telemundo Orlando. Now, I met Migdalia when she was serving as the senior vice president of news at NBC6 South Florida. She started her career in journalism in Puerto Rico and has worked for Univision as well as the Telemundo and NBC stations group. She also was recently honored with the coveted Silver Circle Award for her over 30 years of experience and contributions to the industry. She's a winner of five individual and one station regional Emmy Awards. I'll be back in just a few moments with Migdalia Figueroa. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. I am super thrilled for my guest today. It is Migdalia Figueroa, who is the president and general manager of Telemundo Orlando. Migdalia, what is going on? I'm super happy to be here, Jason. Not only because it's a history, a women history month, but also because since you launched your podcast, I've been watching it and I've been tracking your, your progress as an independent. We were colleagues at some point. So it's been amazing to see your success in this new season of your life. So very excited to be here with you. Oh, well, thank you. And I'm so thrilled to reconnect with you because I know there's so many cool things going on with you. But let's dive in, Migdalia, and tell me when you first meet people, and I know that you love to interact with people, how do you introduce yourself and explain to people who you are and what it is that you do? Well, depending. If it's my mom, it's never going to work because I've been trying to explain to her for more than 30 years what I do, and she's still... Tell her friends whatever she wants to say. But other, <laughs> <laughs> well, for other people, I, I actually, that's very interesting, uh, Jason. Usually I ask people what they do and I prefer to hear what they have to say, even though I'm a people's person, I, I rather, uh, hear from people than, uh, first of all, share who I am. When they ask, and if I also want to impress someone in an elevator speech, I usually tell them that I'm a Hispanic leader that has, uh, worked myself up without having a godfather or a person <laughs> to uh, give me opportunities until I created my own career and then my own name and I started getting those people but the very beginning of my career and the success I would say you know the first 20 years were with no contact within the media and 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 that's a big deal for me and especially in the Hispanic market because um in the 80s and the 90s it was very uh, well known and common in Hispanic media that you would get in only you would know somebody. So for me to be able to get my first opportunity and continue building my career and on top of it without being somebody's daughter or somebody's niece or somebody's goddaughter has been a big deal. So that's what I wear as a badge of honor and that's what I like to share with people in first impressions. 
Yeah. So I love that you, that it's important for you to share a little bit of your of your story there. Now, tell me what exciting things are happening at Telemundo Orlando. Well, um, I joined Telemundo Orlando uh, in the middle of the pandemic, and I think that's a big deal because it's been uh, very interesting for me to join uh, an organization or a station that I don't get to interact in person with my staff or get to interact with the community. Um, as a broadcaster, I should know the community, right? So ev- evaluating and getting to know the community only through reading or, or, or video cameras has been very interesting. So the exciting part now is we're opening up like the rest of us. So we are going to do community events this year. We're really, really planning big events so we can say thanks to the community in person again. But the most exciting thing that is happening in Telemundo Orlando is that uh, this summer we are moving to a different facility that that is an old NBC facility that is very modern and uh, extremely uh, modern and and cool that I think we will utilize that also to create more community connections and to host events with our community uh, from community from viewers to community leaders to our advertisers so so we're really really waiting for this summer Oh, wow. That sounds so exciting. It's yeah. always great to get a, a fabulous tricked out, uh, tricked out facility. Now, yeah. talk to me a little bit about career breakthroughs in, in your career. Now, I know you started way back in the, in the old school days and you said, you know, you did this all without connections. So how did you break into the TV business to begin with? So my first job was uh, in my internship, and I'm glad that you're asking that because it's funny. I, if, if, if we have any young people or people that are changing careers nowadays, they want to do internships. For me, that internship was a big deal. I come, I, I'm the first person in my family to graduate from college. I, I I grew up in a very small town in Puerto Rico, which is already a small island. So my education is from a low-income uh, public school. So it was not that easy to think of a career and what would I do to be successful. So I ended up, uh, for whatever reason, I ended up studying um to be a journalist. And to be honest, I wish I could tell you that it was a big passion. No, I just didn't know what to do. And I ended up taking a, a class, liking it and graduating. But in my internship was a big deal because for me it was the, that was the past to not having to go back to my small town, which there's nothing wrong with it, but I wanted to have a career and I wanted more. Yeah. So in my internship, I pay a lot of attention, a lot of attention. I was really, really, really there and present. Three months after, there was a big scandal at that station and they let go a lot of people. Wow. So the following morning, I go and I said, oh, my God, so who's producing today? And they say, oh, we're all trying to help. So, oh, I've been practicing for three months. I can do it. And remember, they look at me like, really? Yeah, 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 I can do it. I can do it. I said, okay, do it. I will be there. So I did it. I did it. And the show went fine. And I was hired in the spot. So that's the way I had it. I, I was able to launch a career by really, really, really being there and present when I was training. And then being able to raise my hand and say, I'm ready. I'm ready. I can do it. I'm doing it. 
And then when we're talking about breakthroughs, because you asked me. Yeah, like, so it, it sounds like you were able to go from intern to producer by like raising your hand and jumping in when there was a hole that needed to be filled, yeah. right? When Yeah, that many people describe that as like lucky, right? Oh, I was lucky. Like all the people will tell you the story. Oh, I was lucky, lucky. I was doing my internship three months after. They let go so many people that they need to hire me. I don't feel that I was lucky. There was some other interns there and I was the only one that was hired. Yeah. I pay attention. I prepare and then I raise my hand. So I think that luck is you being prepared for the opportunities. Wow. I love that. Yeah. Luck is you being prepared for those opportunities. So, so talk to me. So suddenly you're a producer, right? And, 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 and you're like not that far out of school. So what were some of the challenges kind of jumping into one of these bigger roles without as much as experience as maybe people who would have normally been in those roles? You know what, Jason? That's such a beautiful question. The challenges there are the same challenges that I keep encountering every time I change a position, every time I'm doing something mm. new. There's these things that I feel that we need to do better in corporate America. That is to, that we don't speak the same language. Like even if you're in the same corporation, like you or the same industry, like I spent 15 years in one network. I go after those 15 years to different network and I, all of a sudden I could not understand the language. Mm. We have this acronym and these things that are uh, native to your positions or to your company. And we start using them and we don't realize we leave people out of the conversation when you're yeah. new. And so I remember very clearly in my first TV job, I went to school to be a print journalist. So I ended up doing the internship wow. in TV with no classes, no TV classes at all, broadcasting classes at all. So I remember, like, for example, for those that don't work on TV, the, when you see a person, the name and the banners that you see to identify. So those are video phones. There's many ways to call those banners, right? Yeah. But the, the main machine that produces those is the call is Chiron. It's like saying pampers or jacuzzi instead of diapers. Or So I remember when we said, oh, take these papers to the Chiron. And I went back to say, okay, who's Chiron here? I thought that was the name of a person. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and, and now and people like, look at us like we're crazy when we use Chiron because it's like not, not even a, a current word anymore, right? It's not, it's not re a real word. It was, it was a brand. Uh, and, and, and things like that constant. It's just that constant of, uh, the first time it's like, Oh, what's your number for your IFB? For those that know again, IFB is the earpiece that a talent uses to hear instructions or to hear the program. It's like, Oh my God, the IFB, what's that? What's that? And there was no Google. It was no Google. <laughs> so it can be first experiences can be very lonely and can be very challenging. I think nowadays it's so much easier because of digital media and, and, and Google and all that, but it's very, very challenging. And I would say I'm always have this little notebook where I write down everything that I don't understand. And then if I feel that it's appropriate, and the scenario that I am, I would raise my hand and I would ask a question, but it, it feels to me that I'm going to delay the meeting or show too much that I don't know. <laughs> so then I would write it down and then I would look for the right person to ask questions and understand. What I don't do is to keep moving forward 
without understanding. I think you need to understand so you can continue growing for real instead of just building on top of the wrong foundation. Yeah. And so let's talk about some of your other career breakthroughs. I mean, just going from intern to producer is amazing. But now you've been head of news, news director. You've been general manager at at uh, several stations here. Talk to me about how you got from sort of those early producer type of roles to really running a news division and then being a general manager of a station. Yeah. So I've always, I've always been a dreamer. I, I, and I still, I'm about to be 55. I'm, I continue dreaming. I'm already starting to formulate my dreams for my retirement and how do I want to be, um, continue to contribute and collaborate to the community when I retire. So from the get go, I was dreaming. And when I saw an announcer director operating, I said, Oh, I want to be that person. So I kept observing or asking for mentoring and coaching from people that, that were at the positions that I like. One thing that I think is interesting here to share is that, yes, and then when I saw that, so that was my roadmap, right? I want to get there. I want to be a news director, and then I asked some news director, what does it take? And I was doing it. I, I was doing what it took. So one day, on a Monday, I remember, I 10 a.m., I'm sitting in my office. I'm, I'm, I still am a pro, executive producer. I'm still not achieving my, that dream. And I get a phone call from a gentleman that goes by the name Marcos Avila. Marcos Avila is the husband of Christina Saralegui. Uh, Christina Saralegui was considered the Spanish opera in the 90s, early 2000s, and I think late 80s. She was a big deal. She has been the biggest show in Spanish TV. Huge she was deal. Crazy. Huge, huge deal. Huge deal. Just a little bit of context to our listeners. If you're not familiar with her, Migdalia, I don't know if you know this, but I used to run a lot of the show operations and theater venues out at Universal Studios on the, ho- on the Hollywood lot. And Christina would come once a year to tape in LA. And so that people know how huge she is. We would have crowds and throngs of people just trying to get into, you know, we would have maybe 2,000 seats per show. People would wait in line for hours. And let me tell you, it's probably the only time at work that I've ever cried because the crowd was so passionate. We could even barely control them to to get in safely to the theater. So this was, I'm almost going to say, she's bigger than Oprah, right? In in, (laughs) in the grand scheme of fanaticism. Yeah, and from the point of view that yeah, so Marcus called me. I don't know her well. I, we just work in the same network. That's it. And he says, oh, Christina wants to have lunch with you in our house today at noon. And I'm thinking, the first thing that, thing that I think is like, let me check. We did have websites by now. And by then, it's like, oh, did we say something? Wrong? Like, I'm thinking that this is going to be a fine. There's something that we did that this is not going to be fine. Because why does this lady wants to see me? I'm surprised she even knows my name, right? Mm, so yeah. I go, I go to her, uh, to her house. We have lunch with wine included and we're socializing. And I'm inside saying, Oh my God, what's going on? What is she going to tell me? But I'm not going to let her see me sweat, right? I'm not asking, Why am I here? <laughs> what do you want from me? How can I help you? I kept going and going and going and going. She always had a post it next to her plate. Mm. That I never saw like what so lunch is over, food is over, and she tells me my EP is leaving. 
which is, by the way, the, the programming director right now, the president of programming for Telemundo Network, Ronald Day. So, like, he's leaving, and I want you to do his job. I'm thinking, wow. Me? All I know how to do is news. I never done news or anything other than news. Like, yes, I want you to do this because I've been observing you and I've been asking and you're the great leader. And I don't need you to understand the format. I'm the expert. I need you to inspire and to lead my team. Wow. I was like, and then she handed the post-it and it was double all the money I was making at the moment. It was the salary. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I thought, okay, I have no interest whatsoever in any topics that are discussed in talk shows. I am a news person. Um, but this is good morning. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, oh, no, but my dream is to be a news director. But she's the biggest show of this network. And this is the at that moment, that network yeah. was the biggest network. So this will make me the most important Spanish EP in the nation. Yeah. And you know what? I took it. I took it for several reasons. And these are the lessons learned. I took it because the pay was good. I did turn other things that I didn't want to do for the money, but this was a very important show, very big brand and good money. And I needed, I wanted the money, right? Yeah. Number two, I thought, okay, she's such a big name. There, there's something that I got to learn from her. And I did. And number three, what I learned the most here is that we have to be careful with the roadmap. Mm. I want a roadmap, but that roadmap has got to be flexible because you yeah. don't know what's out there. So now when people ask me, so what do you do next? What do you want to do next? I, said, I think I have an idea, but I'm open yeah. to whatever is out there. Yeah. So if I wouldn't have been open and, and I felt that some people criticize me, obviously, uh, we journalists within that we are. So it's such a big deal that I remember people saying, oh, my God, she's not a journalist anymore. She did the crossover to the entertainment world. It was just almost like I wasn't worthy anymore in some yeah. ways. But I, I think that the other lesson that I learned from that is that I, I'm not such a square news director because of that experience. Mm. When I took the next job after that was the news director role. Yeah. And I felt that those three years working – uh, in a show that was more, that would lead more church entertainment that short hard news. It helped me see how the viewers see certain topics. It helped me be a more inclusive with other uh, topics as a news director. I sincerely feel that that experience helped me prepare to be a better news director. Absolutely. And then the other thing that I learned is that I have this story about her and her show that I love, that she would not call me on weekends and things like that. So on a Sunday morning, she calls me. She said, did you see J-Lo uh, had a secret wedding last night with Mark Anthony? And I said, uh, yes, like, eh? I said, like, oh, I want to record a, a, a show this week with J-Lo's ex-lovers and partners. And I'm thinking, <laughs> and I'm thinking, is she out of her freaking mind? We are, <laughs> we are in Spanish TV and this is a huge ask. 
and for this week, but I'm never, the good thing is that I'm never the person to say no I, I, without trying. But what she told me was just to really, really shoot for the stars. So I think what I knew that until that moment was like, okay, try it. No, I think she helped me on this and no, dream it and try it. So we started making calls that Sunday and on Thursday we were recording that show and I was approving credentials for Entertainment Tonight, Access Hollywood. The entire Hollywood press was knocking on my door on my Spanish TV so they could be there while we were recording that show. Wow. I love that whole piece of advice to just dream big, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 And now that, and, and we live our lives here now like that, like, uh, like, with a small Telemundo station in Orlando, we request the Fauci interview. We request Biden's interview. We request Kamala interview. We requested uh, Trump last year. Like, we request everybody. And one day, I'm going to call you and say, hey, I got this big exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> and it all comes from, from dear old Christina, right? She is in her own breakthrough bringing to daytime television in Spanish Topics that were taboo, topics that the families didn't want to talk about. Then, then, then teenagers will continue getting pregnant and things would continue happening because our culture, we don't want to talk about the difficult topics. So she decided, I'm going to talk about the difficult topics, not only in my family room, but also on TV for all the family rooms of all the Hispanic community in America. Yeah. Wow. How cool is that? So, Migdalia, let's talk a little bit about your brand as an executive and a leader. Give me three words that describe brand Migdalia. It's uh, three. I love that you're saying three because there are three. Exactly three. (laughs) Relevant. Reliable. And relatable. The three R's for you. So, so talk to me. How, how did, how did you come to kind of craft those as, as your brand? I actually craft those originally for a newscast that I was leading, right? The the, the last newscast that I led that was the NBC, um, the Miami local station in Miami. So it's like, this is what we need to do with our content. And that we use them as filters. I would say, maybe you can do only two, but if you have only one, you should not be on the air. That's for content. And we would apply it also for talent. How do you relate to the audience? And then one day I realized, oh, you know, what? this applies to leadership styles too. And I started going one by one and crafting what that means to me as a leader. And mm. obviously there's relevant that is, how do you stay on top of all the trends or all the changes or everything that is happening, happening, current affairs? And how do you see the future coming? Like that makes you a relevant person, no matter your age, doesn't matter your age, your status, anything. Like how do you stay relevant? Uh, reliable is obviously what we all have to be do. Like we all have to be responsible. We all have to do what we are supposed to do. I always tell my kids, don't worry, your success is inevitable because you know how to be reliable and you have integrity, right? So yeah. you'll be you'll be there. And then in my case, relatable, for me, being relatable is a big deal. I think eventually, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, I wasn't sure what was my career path. 
but I have always been a natural leader. For for me, the real path was leadership, right? I, I come, as I said before, I come from an environment that I didn't have much information about. Many other potential careers that I could have taken that path. Like I think human resources would have been a career that I would have enjoyed, for example. But uh, be, be, being a leader is a big, uh, is very important to me, but being that inspirational leader where people can relate to, but that you can really see people and see how to relate to them. That is probably my main success and the trade that I protect the most and a trade that I really think defines my uh, uh leadership brand. Yeah. And so I love relevant, reliable, relatable. Now, would you say that you've always been these things or have you kind of turned up the volume and kind of maybe repackaged as you've grown in your career? Oh, they have all been repackaged several times. (laughs) (laughs) Several times. There's like, I'm not going to tell you, like I have a beautiful career, but beautiful doesn't mean easy. Hmm. Or, or, or full of joy all the time. It has been uh, difficult. As I said, well, first of all, I came to this country as a grown up and I didn't speak wow. English. So that, that was challenge number one. Uh, again, I'm, I'm the product of public education, which I have no problem with. My children's uh, product of public education, but they live in a better neighborhoods. Mm. So my education was flaky uh, in some way. So I had many challenges to continue performing and competing with other people for positions and jobs that you wanted. So in that quest of, of being successful, you need to continue uh, to evaluating yourself all the time. And actually, even by position, when I finished my news director job back in 2020 to get my first GM job here, I spent a week uh, at night at home um, with a journal unpacking the traits of all the GMs that I worked for before. Wow. And saying, I want this. I don't want this. I remember how this trait that he had made me feel, and I don't want my managers to feel this. So I need to take, so I literally spent lap time with my own values and my own traits, making sure that they're just not empty words, that they're, that I have the behavior, the thoughts, the actions to really say those are my traits. Yeah. And talk to me when, when you were doing that journaling, you know, what was maybe one or two of those role models that really stood out to you that when you thought back, you were like, wow, that made me feel a really great way. And, and I'm, I want to, I want to bring more of that into my brand. So it's, uh, it's going to sound like I'm doing this because he's my current boss. Hopefully he doesn't listen to it. So, uh, Manuel Martinez. Manuel Martinez is the president of the Telemundo Station Group and he has been my GM two times before. And so this is the third time that I work for him and I will continue working for him every time life will give me an opportunity because he has many good things. He's not perfect like everybody else. Uh, but there's two things that he does that I absolutely adore and have influenced me in a good way is that he leads with joy. Ooh. I always, I think I had joy is my natural personality, but I thought I needed to be tougher in the office. Mm. I grew up watching other leaders being tougher and he was the first leader that I was working with that he was not constantly 
providing negative feedback or, 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 or pushing you with certain attitude. So I said, oh, my God, how cool it is that he's giving me feedback and I'm really happy for it and I feel good about it. <laughs> That's one. Two, he is before inclusiveness became a buzzword, he was so incredibly inclusive to the point that I don't think it's, it's, um, I don't think he does this as a strategy. It's just who he is. And yeah. I love, I have the tendency. I ha I'm a very decisive person. So working under him, I realized that my decisiveness can make me dangerous and exclude people mm. because I'm not allowing the process to come to fruition and all the people to be able to be part of the process of making the decision. Yeah. And that's my natural tendency. And I'm fighting and I fight it because I remember him because in my, in my emotional world and my values, I'm a very inclusive person in everything that matters to, 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 to your values. Right. But in, in the day to day making decisions, I leave everything, everybody behind if I don't pay attention because I'm not afraid of making decisions and I quick, I, 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 I'm one of those people that can think quick and I'm not afraid of making mistakes. Uh, not because I'm okay with making mistakes is what I mean. Uh, so that, that all becomes a storm that I can move on very fast. And then I realize that some people are not thinking, they're not growing and they're not willing to contribute because they don't have to. Some of them are frustrated and some of them say they just don't have to because I'm going to make all the decisions. So yeah. with working for him, I learned to slow down so I can include people in the decision making process. Yeah. And it's interesting, right? Because that all comes back to your brand filter about being relatable, right? Mm -hmm. And realizing mm -hmm. sometimes we can have these natural strengths, right? Exactly. Like being really decisive, but it actually drags against our brand in some cases, right? Yeah. 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 No. And in some cases, and, and it's, a, it's an important evaluation that sometimes your main skill can be also a weakness. So you have to be careful with that. Yeah, right? Like sometimes the volume's too loud there. We need to, to turn oh, it down, right? Yeah, that happens to me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, right? So We're I'm the loud that, people. Yeah, I'm actually in that process right now of understanding how my charisma and my big personality has worked great until now. But now that I'm not managing mid managers anymore, I'm managing department heads. How does that impact them? And it's a different impact than when I was a news director and I was dealing with mid managers. Yeah. Because these are all people that should be empowered to be managing their department with their style and my support when needed. But in my first year here, I came and I changed everything and I gave a bunch of ideas and whatever, whatever. And then I got a 360 and they also, oh, she's fabulous, very happy working for her. But we don't make any decisions. She makes all the decisions. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Right. And so I love that. It's, it's how do we jigger our brand for the context, right? That uh -huh. there's a different context now that you're basically leading other executives, right? Um, that, that, 
kind of what got you to where you are isn't necessarily, as Marshall Goldsmith says, going to get you to the next spot. Right? I was going to say, I even read that book, uh, What Got You Here Won't Got You, the, won't got you There, recently in, in the, the holiday break, and I loved it. I had recommended like five, to five people already. Yes, and if you haven't read it, people, this is an oldie but a but a go- goodie. It is still relevant, uh, relevant today. Mm-hmm. Hey, Migdalia, let's do a couple of fun questions here. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about your brand as a leader what is a favorite brand of yours what brand are you obsessed with as a consumer hi channel <laughs> i want to be relatable <laughs> 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 well i love channel i love how they've been able to respect the context of the times how even though they're for a high-end obviously brand I, I, if you look at them right now, they're very, they more modern. They still have certain conservative and certain elegance, but they have adapted to a new era where everything is more fun. And I, I just love them. Yeah. Now, if Migdalia was a type of car, what type of car would you be? You're gonna be disappointed. I, I, I would be, I would be, I would probably be a Jeep, a Jeep Sahara. I, I love them. I, my son, I actually bought them for my kids because I didn't want to be the one driving it. <laughs> but because they, they, they make a lot of noise in the highway and I spend some time in South Florida. So I go back and forth a lot. So I needed a different kind of car, but I love that they're strong, stylish. And, and that I, in my particular case, it's like, like usually you see them and you think a guy is going to come out of that. And it's like, how cool it is when a fancy lady with a, a nice uh, look is coming out of a Jeep. I just love it. <laughs> and you know, I'm obsessed with Jeeps. I've only driven Jeep Wranglers for 25 years. Can you believe that? Oh, I had no idea. I promise I did not know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what you and I need to go, go Jeep driving around Florida, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and then finally, Migdalia, tell me what's the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners? Well, first of all, I, I don't know that I'm going to give you a career advice. I think I'm going to give you a life advice that it will mm. encompass everything. Um, when you, like I was looking for my IG work ID right now, like I said, because in the back has the five Comcast values, right? Um, yeah. And I'm very clear what my mom's values are. And I remember the GE values when we were GE. And I remember the Univision values when I work at Univision. But what are my values? Mm. We go through the life without knowing them, copying one from here, copying one from here, repeating them. And then one day, so I struggle with anxiety at a certain age. I was struggling with anxiety. And one of the things that helped me overcome that was realizing I'm not living my life. I'm living my mom's life. Mm. I'm living my mentor's life. I'm living so many other people's life because I don't know what my values are because I thought my value needed to be dictated by somebody bigger and better than me. So at some point, I sat down with me and wrote my values and understood my values. And now I understand how my values interact with Comcast values and how my values interact with my mom's values or how my values interact with my children's values. But I, at some point, identify my values in 
my anxiety went away, and my career took off. Wow. Well, that is amazing. Migdalia, thank you for sharing all of your wisdom and being relevant, reliable, and (laughs) relatable. It's been great connecting with you. Thank you. The same. And before we go, there's one thing that I want to tell you that I I, I love when I read your... um, your description that you have inspired a speaker instead of motivational speaker. And I absolutely love that because that's another thing that I have learned with the years is that the big difference and that you need to understand the big difference of inspiration versus motivation or the empathy versus solidarity. And I think when you understand those concepts, you are the better leader. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It was great having you on the show. And I'll be back with my final thoughts in just a moment. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Wow, I just loved my conversation with Migdalia. You can hear her energy and her passion and her enthusiasm just coming through the microphone there. She had so many great tips, but one of the things that really resonated with me was her whole notion of making sure that you have that career plan, but making sure that you're open to opportunity. And I always talk about this. Your career plan is your career plan, but it is not a set of rules. No, it is just a place to set your North Star. But while you're on that journey, while you are on that road, I want you to keep your head up and your eyes open because there's opportunities all around you. And as Migdalia said, you never know what's going to be out there. Quite frankly, she made a career breakthrough move by simply saying yes to work for Christina. And think about it. She could have turned that down because it wasn't on her career plan. But she thought big and thought about how that journey could help her build her exposure, build her compensation, and more importantly, build her skill set that enabled her to end up becoming a head of news and ultimately a general manager. So think about in your career, what's your plan? What's your North Star? And make sure that you've got your eyes and ears open for those great opportunities that might just get you to that next career breakthrough. Well, that's our show for you for today. If you loved what you heard, make sure that you are following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll deliver a brand new show every single Tuesday. And don't forget, it is Women's History Month, and we're still celebrating the International Day of the Woman by visiting leadwithyourbrand.com slash womenonbrand to hear our entire collection of spectacular influencers and leaders, all who just happen to be women. Check me out on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms, and I love to connect with folks on LinkedIn. And remember, in your career, just don't be a boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure that you are a super premium brand like Starbucks. 
You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.